Who's wrong and who's wronger? In this corner, followed by Millions James, the exploding unicorn, Breakwell. And in that corner, ignored by Millions, Steve Dash, Rinko Levers. Hey everybody, welcome back to Wrong and Wronger. Some podcasts have thousands of listeners. We have ones of listeners that come for the rapier wit every week. I am Dr. Steve the Saber Olivas, and he is James Butterknife Breakwell. <laughs> and James, I'm a little bit worried about you this week. How do you feel exactly? I feel 100% and have no idea what you're talking about. I definitely <laughs> didn't make any bad life choices this weekend that might impair my function today. I am, I am jazzed up and ready to go. Wow. You've heard the book Tale of Two Cities. This is the tale of two breakwells <laughs> that he reversed on a dime when we started recording. From the tales of woe that he was weaving before we started going. I do not have alcohol coursing through my what? veins right now. And it's going to take Breakwell's liver about a week and a half and several rent payments for him to get purged of what happened yesterday. But be that as it may, James, I don't know if you want to even comment on what happened yesterday or can people read about it on the police blotter? It was just so we, we had a day. We, we were home. We thought, you know what, we're going we're gonna to beat... Uh, Halo 3 online with our friends. And one of my friends came up with a brilliant idea. Why don't we take one drink a level? You have to finish the flight. So that we had to and he was doing a beer every level. And I was doing a, a shot of a different whiskey every level. And it wasn't going to be a big deal. It's a long game. There are nine levels, but you spread that out over seven, eight hours. No big deal. Well, that game, when you play it with four people, is really easy. Even on the, <laughs> the earliest difficulty. And uh, we flew through those levels awfully fast and it added up and uh, I ended up like I, I think I, I fell asleep at like three o'clock after we beat the game and I woke up and I was shocked to find that it was dark outside like wait a minute <laughs> that's never a good sign man and so I ate a quick dinner and I came upstairs and went to bed and that was that was my labor day it was it was a great labor day uh not such a great recovery from that day though but now I by now I'm good I, I'm hydrated and uh, always talking to you, Steve, it's like a slap to the face. It can bring me out of anything. You know, like hey, those yeah. smelling salts. It's not, it's not pleasant, but it's so jarring oh. that it just brings you back. <laughs> I'm going to take that in the nicest way possible. <laughs> well, to take full advantage of Breakwell being a little bit underneath it today, what are we going to talk about today, James? I came up with the topic last week and our numbers plummeted. So what are we going to do this week? I need you to pull us out of the fire. Oh, this one's going to make us plummet too. Let's talk about golf because we seem to have two very different <laughs> opinions on this one. So, so I mean, we could, we could argue about literally anything for 25 minutes. And we've proven that through 165 or 166 episodes. But somehow we've never argued about this, uh, which is surprising because it's something we're both terrible at. So we've got the same baseline. But you in particular, like I enjoy being terrible at it, and you seem to really not. It seems to, I think there's some past trauma in your life, maybe. I don't know. Why don't you describe your hatred of golf for us? I don't get it. That, that's most of my hatred of golf. 
I don't understand it. Not only am I not, I'm not good at bowling either, but I like to go bowling. I sort of like the bowling alley. I like the background noise. I love midnight bowling when they have the like uh, UV pins that shine in the black light and everyone's drinking and having fun. There's loud music blaring. Golf to me is almost as boring as like golf. <laughs> uh, you, you get out there and I swing a few times. But by the third hole, by the way, I'm drunk because I, I don't have any interest in being there in the first place. And the girl comes around with the cart several times. And I, I once played in a best ball tournament, James, with a, a foursome. In 18 holes, we used zero of my <laughs> shots. Do you know what the odds of that are? That I don't just once accidentally hit a good shot? So it's frustrating to me. It's always hot. I hate being hot. I hate well, it. You, I hate you're being not hot, sweaty. so you're safe there. Oh, I'm <laughs> smoldering. I'm piping hot in that sense, Breakwell. But I, I just get sweaty and smelly, and I end up tromping through water and get bitten by snakes, and I have ticks in places I didn't know I had skin. Golf, to me, is not anything enjoyable. And frankly, I'm surprised that you and I have different opinions about this because I thought we lined up, but it seems that you enjoy this experience? Well, it depends on which part of the experience you're talking about. I think at its most basic level, golf is just drinking in a park. And while you're in that park, you get to have a go-kart race, which is awesome. And they give you a metal, metal stick to whack stuff with. So that's pretty great too. So those core elements there are the foundations of a good day. And for the longest time, that was really the only way I played. I mean, my, my ideal golf outing would be like 14 holes if you're drinking heavily. And this is back when I, would, I did beer instead of whiskey. Yeah. But you know, so first yeah. of all, I'm not made of money like you. So I did not go to the golf cart girl with the, the, the they came around with the little fridge. I, I this suck, is relevant. We're coming back to that point. I, I snuck a 24 pack in my bag, and, <laughs> <laughs> which by the way, one time I had that 24 pack in my bag and it was too wet for golf carts and we had to walk and that was a death march. I'm never doing that again. <laughs> um, but with a cart, you know, you could do that. You do a beer, a hole or whatever. By, uh, by hole 10 or 11 or 12, I've lost all interest. By hole number 18, like we're just dangerous in those golf carts. We should not be out there. Uh, but that, that's a great time. I would always do that with my brothers and my friends back home. But recently, um, so I, I, lately I've been golfing like once a year because I just don't have any friends to go with. And uh, I discovered there was this men's league that would play once a week at night. And I was like, I'm going to go sign up for that. I'm going to do that. But I went there. I didn't want to drink. I didn't want to make a fool of myself. I thought, I'm going to play with these guys. And uh, it was so humbling and humiliating every time that I just can't hit this ball straight. Which doesn't matter yeah. if you're just out there to drink in a park. But if you remove the drinking from golf, it is a whole yeah. different game. And even yeah. they were drinking while doing it and still doing better. But I think the reason that golf appeals to, to a lot of people. And, and again, I enjoy just being out there and being away from my family. That's the biggest perk of golf or anything outside, outside the home. But golf lets you be super out of shape and perform like you're a superhuman athlete through science. Like huh. you need just the slightest amount of upper body strength and then the most expensive driver on the market. And you could hit that ball into orbit. It goes and it flies 300 <laughs> yards and you feel like He-Man. And that's what they're out there for. And I was out there with these guys and they were like, 
I'm not in the best shape in the world, but I was in so much better shape than they, than they were. I mean, they were between 40 and 60 pounds overweight. Most of them hadn't been in a gym in this decade. Like I could do literally any physical activity better than them, except hit this ball in a straight line. And they could crush yeah. that ball and look like professionals. And then I would go up there and swing and just slink off in shame. So I think that's a large part of the appeal is making non-athletes feel like athletes. And I and maybe someday I'll there. I, I just it makes me just feel humiliated. But you know when I'm not drinking. But I can see what where the appeal lies, and that's why I would think you, being the most non-athlete of all non-athletes, would enjoy yeah. golf. You know, there's a couple of points that swim to the surface of my mind listening to you. One is, I'm going to steal your line, drinking in a park. I think that's fantastic. But number two, I, I didn't pick up golf until I was 19. And I took golf as a, as, in gym class as an elective mm -hmm. in college because I had never swung a golf club before. And uh, I was good at tennis, so I figured I have kind of a natural... And I was good at baseball. Like, I can swing at <laughs> hand-eye coordination, except I'm left-handed. And all of the golf club sets in the gym class were right-handed. So I actually golf righty, even though I'm a lefty, <laughs> if that makes sense. But I couldn't get it. And my dad golfs probably four times a week for his whole life. And yet he never taught me to golf. He never took me to golf. My dad was in a band that had a song in the top 40 in the 60s. I don't know how to play guitar. He had no interest in teaching me musical instruments. This is probably bringing to light a few things about my childhood that I shouldn't disclose on the air here. But the point is, I picked it up too late to actually be good at it. And your financial part is not irrelevant here because you play with guys that you have a good time with. And I think that's probably one of the issues with me is that most of my friends are pretty wealthy and they golf all the time uh, and they have uh, the clubs that they get imported. They have Corinthian leather caps on all of them. Like uh, they have a bag that comes with a guy that carries the bag for you, right? From Dick's Sporting Goods or it gets handmade. I don't know how all this works. But I have, I literally have a $20 golf set that I bought at a rummage sale. And uh, I've used it probably four times in my life. I got it, boy, to take my son golfing when he was like seven. So in nine years, I've used it four or five times. But they're all really good at golf. And so if we go out with four of us, they're all hitting really well. And I'm running around without a shirt because I want to at least get a suntan. <laughs> and that gets the marshal over yelling at us. So I don't get it. I don't like it. I'm like a, I'm, 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 I'm a, a, not a duck out of water, a fish out of water. I don't belong on the golf course, James. That's the way it works. You don't belong in public in general. So, I mean, that's kind of an overstatement. There's so much about your childhood I want to unpack right now. We should probably just discard <laughs> golf altogether. But the reason your dad didn't take you golfing is he goes golfing to get away from you. Like, that was the entire point of golfing. I mean, that's, uh, yeah, that's, so, of course, he's not going to take you. What do you mean your dad had a hit in the top 40s? Your dad was, this is the first I've ever ever heard of this is your dad somebody famous no, are you serious yes, you have, i thought we've talked about in all this. of your rambling monologues over the past 95 <laughs> years we've been doing this podcast you never once have mentioned that your dad had a song in the top 40 yes he was in a band called the chevrons and they had a song called for your love and it was actually played in 99 or 2000 the music of it the melody was played behind a mercedes commercial <laughs> so there's my claim to fame, except I remember I wanted to play piano my whole life. And again, I didn't take lessons until I was in college and I took piano as a, an elective. 
And I remember I was trying to figure out a song and my dad came out with his guitar to help me. Within four minutes, he had completely lost patience with me and like stormed <laughs> into the house. So this is the model that I have to take away important lessons in life, father-son things like golf and music, and I have none of it. Well, I mean, your, your model about starting golf too late is irrelevant because I started golf even later than you. I didn't start it till I was old enough to drink because, again, I didn't get it at all before I could drink. <laughs> and then once I could drink, it made all the sense in the world. So I started in my early 20s, and I golfed literally once a year. So I probably had 10 or 11 times up until recently. And um, I also had the cheap golf sets. Uh, they're not the right size for me because I'm 6'2", and I guess I probably shouldn't have standard size. I should have it be like an inch longer or something. I don't know. At this point, I've learned to golf kind of sort of on the shorter clubs. So if I got longer clubs, I'd probably just hit the ground. Uh, one of them still has a sticker from Goodwill where I got it. It says $2.99 on it, the bag I got for free. <laughs> but I recently discovered that like, so my, I can hit the driver fairly far, but it just curves to the right in the complete wrong direction. And I finally thought about it and realized that when I hit that, I ended up farther from the whole than when I started. I go so far off course. <laughs> so recently, I got to, I got done being humiliated by those other guys. So the, that group of four, that, 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 that men's league, it was going to be perfect for yeah. me. I was going to have pe built-in people to golf with. They couldn't get away from me. It was the perfect plan until I realized they always do, like at this league night, they do these like games. And they do things like best ball, which is fine because there's three other people, so they just use everybody else's ball. I can get past sure. that one. But sometimes they combine your score. And I had to stop going. So like I'm, I'm not just ruin I'm ruining every everybody's fun. I, I'm fine with ruining my own fun. I'm fine with humiliating myself. I couldn't ruin everybody else's day. But then I thought, you know what? Why don't I just go there by myself? And I figured out for 10 bucks at this cheap golf course, I can go and I can oh. walk it because I would always end up walking anyway. So I'd be like, I don't yeah. want you to stand by me and watch me while I take 16 swings to cover the distance you covered in one. So I just sure. take two clubs and walk. And I'd only take Two the two clubs were a pitching wedge and a putter because the pitching wedge is the shortest distance one, but it's the only one that pops it in the air for me. And uh, so this recently when I decided to walk it, I didn't want to do that death march. I didn't want to carry that big heavy bag when I'm only going to use two clubs. So I went there. I paid my 10 bucks. I took, I didn't even take a driver. I took just a pitching wedge and a putter and I played nine holes and it was magical. Nobody was there to laugh at me. Uh, nobody was there to, to... Actually, it's even worse than being laughed at is when people try to encourage you and you know you can't get better. Oh, like, that's the that's worst. So like, you'll get it next yeah. time. And it's like, I really won't. I wish you would stop having hope for me because that's what really hurts. That's what makes me feel bad. Uh, but when I went through and did that, I didn't have, you know, rich friends looking down at me like you did. I didn't have people who were good at golf. I just had me and my two sticks. I didn't have to make awkward small talk. I put in my headset and listened to a book on tape. And it was amazing. So I don't know how you could look down an experience like that I don't know but it's interesting you and I have the same strategy with golf I can't hit with a driver so I actually have three clubs I bring a three oh. a three wood which is I have a metal three they're <laughs> all metal nowadays and composite I have a three and a seven iron and a putter okay those are the only three clubs I ever use it's funny great minds think <laughs> I feel so bad for both of us now <laughs> And of course you walk, because I walk. You can't take the card into the woods. Like, what does that do me? <laughs> yeah, I was just, I re yeah, I, I realized that the golf cart, again, when you're drinking and when you're smashed with friends who are also bad at golf, the golf cart is the best part. But when you're playing with people who know how to golf, the golf cart is the worst part. Because then they have to drive it over and look for your ball and stand there and watch you whiff over and over again. Yeah, walking's where it's at. Uh, so and then and I, I convince myself it's exercise. It's not really, but you know you kind of you kind of wander around a park for an hour. You're away from the kids. I'm listening to the book on tape. It's all good. So I think that's fun. And I, you know it's funny because you know golf is considered a sport. And on one level, it maybe it is, but on another level, like you really 
to be a sport, like, first of all, you have, it should require some level of being in shape. Like, this is why I'm on the fence about baseball. Like, Babe Ruth went out and set all those records, uh, you know, after eating, like, 19 hot dogs. And he, anything you can do twice in a row is probably not a sport. Like, you can play baseball back-to-back. <laughs> you can't play, you know, a ba- uh, or a, you can't play a basketball game back-to-back or a football game back-to-back. Uh, golf you could do it back to back. You could do 36 holes in a day. It's just a matter of it takes so much time that you probably couldn't fit it unless you start very early in the morning. So on the grand scale of sports that aren't really sports, I think I think it probably t- requires a bit more athleticism than bowling, but not much. And it's definitely a step down from tennis. It might even be a step down from badminton. And if you take a if you take a golf cart instead of walking, it's probably a step down from about everything. First of all, I t- <laughs> It's funny how this is all lining up, and you didn't even mean it to. I also took badminton in college. <laughs> I swear to God, and I won the, the like the university tournament wow. for all. And like I was pretty good at badminton, so I love badminton. But I the, the thing that I don't understand even more than people who play golf is people who watch golf. Yes, like I I can't think of a better reason to bite down on that cyanide tablet you keep tucked between your cheek and gum for this kind of situation. My dad will watch the golf channel all day and stay entertained like a kid watching cartoons. Wow, I don't understand it, James. It's a complete disconnect. I'm not sure I'm actually genetically related to him. I mean, it's a lot of green. They they go in very pretty places that we would get thrown out of if we showed up so it's got that going for it. a little bit of fantasy element there but yeah i don't get watching golf either in fact uh back when i had cable i would sometimes turn it on on the weekend if i really wanted to take a nap and you as far as i'm concerned it's impossible to stay awake when watching that channel everybody talks in such smooth calming voices you're basically just looking oh. at a at a meadow that's been mowed all the way down you can barely see the it's ball the ambient of television yeah. yeah and every once in a while somebody gets real excited but those times are so few and far between you just turn it on and you're you're good for a two or three hour nap it's uh it's it's more powerful than a sedative in that regard but yeah people i know who are good at golf they also watch the golfing channel and i don't get it maybe they're just uh i don't i, I don't know it, it's weird though it's probably of all the sports you can go pro at it's probably the it seems like it's maybe not the easiest one to go pro at but it seems like it's the only one where like the everyman has a shot i get if i understand correctly like there are tournaments where you can play in like just anybody can show up if you qualify for this tournament and you can actually get a spot in the pga tour like that's not gonna happen uh in anything else i mean maybe tennis maybe you can climb up the rankings like that but it's not like you can go out and do really good at your flag football game and then get promoted to the nfl like there's no shot there's no progression system <laughs> at anything else except for golf and so every once in a while you'll see somebody i remember watching a show about lottery winners and a guy won the lottery and his his goal was to make the pga and that was something that was actually possible so he just played golf all day every day and he periodically he'd show up to these tournaments to try to be like you know the 180th player or whoever was invited to all these things so so maybe that's what it is maybe they have dreams of grandeur or uh, maybe there's just nothing better on tv I, I don't know i can't explain it either I can't figure it out. And MMA might be that way, that you can just kind of show up and start whooping some tail and you'll start moving up the ranks. But I don't know. I don't get golf from the word go. I The, the other thing about watching golf that I don't understand is what are you learning if you're a good golfer? Like if I watch... <laughs> 
any other sport, there's strategy, there's different ways to pitch. There's for tennis, you can, uh, there's strategy of going down the line or cross court. Do you do a drop shot? Do you play the net or the back? Golf is you just hit the ball hard in a straight line and you try to get it in the hole. Like, what could be a simpler, more dumbed down game than that? I mean, and you could, I guess, in theory, like learn from the strategies they take on individual holes. But the problem is they're playing courses that you're never going to play. You can't afford to play them <laughs> or they won't allow you. Like, there's Augusta where you have to be a member and you have to basically be yeah. a former president or cabinet member to get in there. I mean, there's no <laughs> scenario where you'll ever play there. And the last time I went to that men's league before I realized they were going to combine the score I need and I needed to never show my face there again, uh, they were talking about, yeah, if I could play on this course or that course, I'd totally drop $1,000 to play there for a day. It's like, I can't imagine Jeez. a worse experience. Like, I feel a little guilty when I drop my 10 bucks to walk that hole. And I was looking around for other places where I could walk for cheap and some places were like 30 bucks to walk. I was like, I'm not made of $30. I'm not paying $30 for that. But you look at like the escalating scale of how much these courses cost and it gets really up there. I think uh, maybe more than anything, it's a status symbol that says, hey, I can afford to go and play this that many times. And I am definitely in the uh, in the budget golf branch. So I found my cheap place here locally growing up in another city. Uh, we had a place and we'd wait till there was a Groupon and we'd all go in a bunch. And that was, uh, that was, <laughs> yeah, you get the Groupon, you get the good deal. He saves you more money for beer. And that was a great time. The hardest part was just figuring out which of my siblings who was too young to drink but was old enough to drive we could guilt into coming and picking us up later in the day you know you got to you got to get the driver arranged even though you know we were out there golf driving golf carts all day uh, but yeah, we definitely didn't drive cars after that. We could barely stand after that. It was, those were some ugly days, but also fun days. That was by far the most fun I ever had uh, playing golf. And now that I'm trying to actually get less terrible, it's much less work and much less fulfilling, but it does still fulfill the core function of getting me outside in that park and away from my family. I mean, what do you do when you, I guess you don't have much family to escape now that you've offloaded all your children, but when you want to get out and alone, like what activities do you do that will keep you out of the house for a couple hours? Uh, well, I have my own office here, uh -huh. so I can come and work on my podcasts. Or I, I have uh, my studio in my house. I can lock myself in and do production stuff for my show. I do walk an hour every day, so I'm out of the house by myself. And I used to listen to music or podcasts. Now I just walk with silence <laughs> and I get lost in my own thoughts with visions of someday, someday, leaving this podcast, <laughs> dancing in my mind. I don't know when it's gonna happen or how it's gonna work. I'm assuming one of us is gonna have to die. But that's my getting out of the house. I, I got a while. It must be a, a, a sad middle-aged man thing to listen to silence. My dad does the same thing. Uh, towards the end of my grandmother's life, he was going back to Iowa like four or five times a year all the time. And it was like a six hour drive each way. And he would not, I get to, it's like you could finish so many books on tape, listen at triple speed, you could listen to so many podcasts. When he goes by himself, he listens to silence. Six hours one way, six hours the other. Uh, Doesn't even turn do on that. the radio. And uh, here you are walking for an hour. You could listen to, uh, at triple speed, you could listen to half a book in that hour. And you're just... I can't, you can't even be thinking deep thoughts out there. It's not like you're out there solving the problems of the universe. You're probably just out there with a complete blank slate in your mind. And uh, it kind of upsets me. I hope that's not my future, too. The, the day when my thoughts just shut down. I can't generate any more of my own. I can't take any more in from books. And I just want silence and walking. James, I'm entertained by the fact you think my mind is ever not a blank slate. <laughs> You have such ambition for my brain. I appreciate that. I mean, words come out of your mouth. I assume there are thoughts attached to them. I can't figure out what they are, but I, I, by some <laughs> twisted logic, they must be under there buried somehow. 
Yeah, we should. You know what? Oh. You and I should go golfing sometime. The two worst golfers on the planet. You oh, take, we would have a blast. You take, We'd end up in jail. <laughs> I swear to God, Breakwell. You take your three clubs. I'll take my two. We won't get a cart. We'll just walk, and it'll be it'll be amazing. And the people will have to let every group of golfers go by us because we'll take so long in each hole. Although my my claim to fame, like. I'm a fast golfer. Like, if I'm going to take 65 swings per hole, like, I know i got to take those swings fast. So some people get out there, and they only take two or three swings, but each swing, they line up for a minute. Like, I can... Oh! Yeah! You know, (laughs) your three swings and my 65 swings take the exact same amount of time, so I will (laughs) never be accused of slowing up the rate of play. But I've got to imagine with me and you both golfing, there'll be a lot of looking for balls. You know, there will be no finding them, but we're both, I, I imagine, fairly cheap, so we'd probably look for them longer than we should before giving up and going on to the next one. Oh, that's another great thing about golf, because you would think for you and I, the greatest expense we would bear would be golf balls, except while you're looking for your golf ball, you find like yes. two or three others. Like it's the gift that keeps giving. It's like the Hydra. You cut off one head and two appear. I have not bought golfs, golf balls in years, despite losing <laughs> golf balls at a prodigious rate. This is one thing that was in the newsletter. Yeah. I, uh, when I, my first time I went golfing by myself, the course starts off going over this tiny little pond. And I took out my pitching wedge, which only has one job. It's just to shoot balls straight into the air. So it shouldn't have been a sure. problem. And I sent that first shot right into the water. I thought, well, nobody's watching. I'm not keeping track of score. I'm out here by myself. I'm just going to take that one again. And I shot the second ball straight into the water. And I was like, you know, I'm going to do it a third time. I shot <laughs> the third ball magnet. straight into the water, right in the same spot. I lost three balls in my first 30 seconds on that course. I was not too happy before I finally just tossed a ball to the other side and started over. Yeah. Speaking of starting over, James, I'm looking up at the clock and realizing we might have to hold this until next week where we start over with a new topic. Wow. We actually had enough to talk about again, but that's, I guess, not necessarily shocking. Somehow we always manage to fill the size of our container, no matter how large or small. Uh, but I think we've probably explored the depths of golf. And if people wouldn't tune in for our exciting celebrity stories last week, I doubt they'll be here for our golf stories this week. But who knows? Sometimes we surprise ourselves. <laughs> well, we have to run you out of here, too, because I'm fairly certain you've got some golf to get to, which is, by comparison, way more exciting than this podcast. So until next week, when we convene again, tee it up and whack it toward the hole. James is getting a little awkward. This is Steve Olivas, Dr. Steve for James the Exploding Unicorn Breakwell saying thanks for watching, thanks for listening, and remember, two wrongs can make a right. <laughs>